Thank you for listening to Every 98, Anonymous But Brave. I'm Emmy. And I'm Sebastian. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about sexual assault, harassment, and the like. So, you know, there's a, a given content warning for every episode. Yes. And we have a special guest today. Mm-hmm. This is episode 17. Yep. We hinted a bit about this episode a lot in the last one. And there have been some minor changes to the content of the episode. Yes, we had to take some stuff out because of possible sensitive information. Yeah, uh, we the main focus of this episode was about Title IX, and that's why we mentioned it a lot in the episode about Title IX. Yes. But because of things that have come up with the contributor, they have asked that we keep that aspect of the episode out of the actual on-air version. Right. So this is mostly just his experience along with, you know, general relevant information, but nothing specific to his experience with Title IX and with the university in question or any of that. Um, this is one of those things where we've said it several times and we will say it several times more. The last thing in the world we want to do is to make things more difficult for the people who are, you know, brave enough to come up and contribute their story about what happened. Yeah. And, uh, they have made it clear that, you know, to include that stuff would make their lives more difficult. So that's not what we're, not yeah. what we're gonna do. Like we said before, said a million times, we won't publish anything that we're not allowed to. Yeah, if you, even if it's something, uh, you know, that pops up after the, after the fact, if you ask us not to include something, we won't include it. <laughs> There's still a lot of content to go through with this episode, so mm-hmm. we're gonna keep this short. Um. There's a lot to digest, and it's a little bit different than our normal, just because this time it was a male victim. Right. As opposed to the, like, usual that you hear all the time. It's female victims, male perpetrators. Right. Uh, so, get ready. You're still probably going to be mad uh, by oh, yeah. the end of it's, the episode. It's but... ridiculous. <laughs> But that's par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, We are going to sign off and come back to say goodbye. Yeah. Okay. I think think I'm ready. (laughs) Is that going to be? Yeah, we're ready to get started, too. And as you can see, my real name is Zachary Freeman. (laughs) I, I don't know if you can see my, uh, or if you've read through any of the stuff I posted online as far as like my media articles or uh, uh, watched any of the other podcasts that I've participated in. Uh, no, I didn't realize that you had that much out there. Uh, I have a bit. Um, I, I have a little bit. Uh, a lot of the stuff I've done on YouTube, uh, they, I speak about um, the sexual assault. Uh, but I also talk about other issues at my university, which compounded the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the, I, from all the attorneys I've spoken to uh, dealing with this problem, it's really disheartening to hear over and over again that some of the most ludicrous things that I've been through. Um, they're like, I'm not surprised. I've heard this before. I've heard this. Uh, they put image first in the way that Tideline is operated. Uh, it, uh, described it as kind of a casino in the fact that the house always wins. Yeah. And they they utilize the Title IX process to gather as much information as they can to protect themselves first and nobody else. Uh, I have so much information regarding this. I have a three terabyte hard drive that's on this book. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's every email I ever received and sent at the uh, university, and um, after everything started going sideways, after I reported my sexual assault uh, in Georgia, Georgia's a one party consent state. Consent state. I'm allowed to record audio uh, as long as I'm in it. No holds barred at all times. And uh, I got an extended uh, battery for my phone. And just every day at school, I just recorded all day, every day. Wow. Well, that was good that you had the forethought to do that. You know, you do what you need to do. 
to stay on top. Well, especially with your situation, if I remember correctly, uh, you said the person who who assaulted you has claimed that you assaulted her, right? It's, it's not. She she doesn't claim that I assaulted her. She claims that the relationship never took place as a board defense, and that my claim is sexual harassment. Okay. Um, yeah, which is a little confusing. Um, at, at at first, I didn't understand why she was doing that. I, I get it now. Uh, being sexually assaulted and not being a good educational program is considered um, gender discrimination, as the rules are. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of wacky, but that's kind of how it works. There is also, and probably what we'll be talking about the most going through this, uh, an issue. One of the other defenses by the university, one of the other concerns by the Department of Education is that because I'm a man, can I be sexually assaulted at all? <laughs> that is always one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. If I get that all the time. It's also a legal defense in this case because the way that the Title IX was written is it was gender and age description, or I was initially gender and then race and then age tacked onto it. Discrimination legislation that the sexual assault and harassment stuff was attached back in because Title IX initially dealt with like sports stuff. Yeah. Even like, you know, what it is today. There is a, a legal argument being put forward at the back end of all of this that since it was originally written to protect minority genders and 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 women at the time, women are actually no longer the minority gender in colleges, which is part of the part of the counter argument to that. But it's just part of the legal fight. Um they, they, they're claiming that because it was initially meant to protect women, that it cannot protect a man. Wow. That, that in essence, I cannot be a discriminated party because I'm a man, and therefore, under OCR, Title IX regulations and whatnot, I can't be sexually assaulted. Um, Ugh. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Whether whether or not they want to argue whether or not you can be discriminated against, which is a ridiculous argument in the beginning, right. but whether or not they, they want to make that argument, it has nothing to do with whether or not you can be sexually assaulted. I mean, yes. Uh, you know, it also doesn't help that criminally, under Georgia law, I can't be raped, or a very attempted rape cannot happen because it's gender female only. Uh, I have spoken to a local state senator about pushing the bill to change that, but it's difficult to coordinate with him, and he hasn't gotten back to me in a month, and there's not a lot of political will uh, with everything else going on in the country dealing with that, <laughs> that. And it might even politically look bad for that senator now, because I have been expelled for sexual harassment. That is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that's how That is ridiculous. Yeah. So, like, I've got, now I'm, I wasn't just fighting to be heard and have justice, now I'm fighting for my future. And this has. Yeah, to be able to actually <laughs> attend college and everything again. Yeah, yeah. And this this happened after we started talking. This this, this is a somewhat recent, like, couple, like a month old, a little bit less than a month old decision that they made. Because mm. um, I finally had the hearing against my attacker. In the hearing, she, like, viscerally describes following me around everywhere I went when I went to the bathroom and stuff like that. And I still found her. So I have a, I have a question. Um, I, you said that because of Georgia law, you, you wouldn't be able to prosecute her for having raped you because in Georgia law, rape is something that happens to women. But what about the stalking? Is that something that you could bring to, to the police and say, Hey, she has openly admitted to stalking me. So I held, I had a, and Georgia has this thing called a warrant application process instead of a grand jury. And I could not get the police to do anything because a lot of victims go through this. I'm sure you dealt with this in your podcast before. Going to the police is sometimes not a good idea because they don't believe you. They don't, they treat you like crap. Mm-hmm. You know, they find things wrong with you. Uh, being a man, that's especially true. They treat me like a criminal and an active shooter threat when I came to them with a the problem. Um, so I came to them. They didn't care. So I filed a warrant application 
again, it's not her, but one of the other students that was all at the time actively stalking me, who was a witness and everything. Yeah. Uh, as much time had passed. Not a ton of time, but more time had passed. It was a more recent pressing issue. Um, and the way that works in Georgia is that you don't have to be a police officer to warrant a average everyday citizen can have as long as you have evidence of probable cause you can go to a judge and you can actually follow the exact same process it's just totally open to the public it's beneficial in some ways when i went to the judge to do that and they held a warrant application hearing against that harasser um the judge ruled that because we were both university students at the same university he didn't want to touch it and kicked it back to the university oh and of course you know the university is going to handle it so expertly yes <laughs> And that put me right back to where I was. So that's why yeah. That's why nothing's been done. And there is, it's not really tort law, but there is a legal tradition that um, universities handle crimes and issues. It goes back to Oxford University in the UK, uh, old and to an old medieval legal writ. But yeah, I faced nothing but negative corruption and, um, and discrimination for, for talking about this. Uh, it's been pretty terrible. I'm sorry you've had to go through this. This is absolute bullshit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and all of, all of that, it's it's awful. I, I mean, so I just spent this time with rapid fire, all the details and stuff like that, because I'm used to talking about this so much. But uh, I actually don't have words to describe how terrifying this is, and this has been. I bet. I've been thoroughly dehumanized. Of course, my future's now on the line. Of course. Um, even before this, that decision was rendered or that they were even going to go forward with any of that, I, I decided I was going to keep fighting this because, again, there, there are other male victims. Other male victims are spoken to. Uh, I'm currently living in a house that I was given shelter for uh, because he was a male victim who I wasn't able to speak out, and uh, he's been incredibly kind to me. And, well, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you have that kind of support there. Yeah, yeah, he's been amazing. And um, there are other victims out there too that just haven't heard. And while there have been men like Terry Crews who've spoken out and Brendan Fraser, there is no strong Me Too movement for men. There have been other men who've, who've attempted to be a part of the movement, but mm-hmm. it's, it's because of the politics involved, because of the way gender norms work, it's been really hard for us to speak out and there's not been a ton of support generally uh, and almost no resources uh, almost no shelters uh, and sometimes no legal avenues to justice through so I'm trying to change that uh, I don't have any resources <laughs> really you know monetarily mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I'm doing what I can by fighting this it's just a, it's just a real up of that it's like climbing a mountain yeah, from from the bottom. Yeah, and you're essentially having to more or less change laws. Yeah, yeah. That are like that are set there and set just on the state level too. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a handful of states in which uh, uh, men cannot adult men can't be sexually assaulted or raped um, due to the way the law is written. Georgia's one of them, but there are some others. Uh, there's no federal over overview of what rape is. It's a state-by-state thing, even though it's a felony, of what, what that's considered. Um, uh, university coding uh, can seem gender-neutral, but it, or, or at least gender-inclusive, but often it's not. Um, mm-hmm. It is not safe for anyone to report their sexual assault to the university, or really any crime. Yeah. Um, even though the Ginny Cleary Act exists uh, to attempt to force universities to report crimes to the police, um, it still requires you to report to the university first, and they still get first pick of holding evidence and what evidence they give to over to the police or any other third party, which means they will always protect their own interests before you. Yep. Um, so uh, it's it's kind of a bad situation all the way. Yeah. No, that should definitely not be a thing. They definitely never should a university be able to handle things internally like that. I think that's absolutely ridiculous and 
the police should be should be the first ones to be called. And the fact that it's not well, and the fact that the police are, seem to be against you as well isn't yeah. great. But that that part about the police uh, not not cooperating with the victim is really common. So uh, I I go to therapy. I got, uh, went to a rape crisis center that was actually really breaking. After I found one that would talk to a man, yeah. um, which took work. Jeez. <laughs> That's um, ridiculous. I've spoken to other victims, uh, you know, through that and other other avenues, and having the police mock you, treat you as the criminal, and not want to do anything about it is really common, regardless of your gender. Um, it, but yeah. it hits men really hard, particularly gay men. I'm straight, but uh, other gay victims I talk to have said that they, they are afraid to talk to the police at all because the uh, hostility is often incredibly open. Right. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and again, Atlanta is really progressive for this. It's sort of the hub of um, the gay community here. Uh, our, 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 walk, our walkways between crosswalks have rainbows on them. <laughs> nice. anyway, you know, that's how open people are in this town of Atlanta. And even there, they are afraid to talk to the police if anything bad happens because they're afraid they'll be dismissed or first arrested for prostitution, solicitation, or any number of drum drum of things. Yeah. So it, it's it's a serious issue. That's ridiculous. So I uh, I don't know if you have an answer to this or not, but. Are you familiar with the with the changes that DeVoe is making to Title IX? Do you think those would have any effect on what you're going through right now, either positive or negative? So, yes, uh, they actually did uh, affect, they affected a lot of uh, ongoing OCR investigations and, and legal claims that are out there. For most of them, they damaged them. In mine, they actually uniquely strengthened them. Okay. Because of the, the cut that was made. So under Obama... Um, the sort of mess that was created was that there was this push to protect the victims, which is a good thing, but there was no guidance on to how that would be done. So after the Dear Colleague letter was submitted, the Department of Education basically made it so that every employee of the university was responsible for someone to come to, if someone came to them with an issue, um, which I did. And at the slightest hint of anything going wrong or someone being harassed or discriminated against, you know, if no action was taken, the university would, would be at fault. Right. The OCR, the governing body underneath the Department of Education, saw this entire thing and became like, uh, there was just this gridlock that still exists to this day uh, from all the complaints that that created. And no real internal decisions on how that would actually like, work, and a very few external decisions on how like, hearings function and stuff like that that have all been determined by lawsuits after the fact and all sorts of stuff. Like I was able to cross-examine witnesses only because of a lawsuit that happened at Stanford a few years before I was assaulted. Before then, people were not even allowed to cross-examine each other. Hmm. It's a madhouse. Yeah. Now, cut a lot of the fat out and unfortunately also cut a lot of avenues from which victims can talk. To, or make a complaint. Yeah. Now, if you're a victim, it's not considered a legal complaint unless you specifically talk to the designated timeline coordinator only. And if you don't understand that, then you're screwed. Uh, and universities, again, will twist the system however they want. They have now begun to make it so that students don't necessarily know that. They'll think they've lodged an official complaint by talking to a professor or the dean and not know that their complaint actually hasn't been filed until they like file a specific form letter to the timeline coordinator only. On the reverse end, they also made it difficult for recipients of federal financial aid, as it's worded in the, the legislation, um, uh, otherwise known as universities, um, the, to be held legally liable. They're only legally held liable if they've shown no action upon being, you know, notified. You know the actual official notification that I just explained. Yeah. So you have to notify a very specific set of terms now, and the uh, only if no action, not good action, but no action being rendered. That's generally really bad for everyone. It's yeah. Uniquely good for me because 
it spurred the Department of Education to move on my case because that's actually exactly what happened. I did specifically notify the head of the Title Line for, uh, uh, the head of Title Line at the university. I did fill out all those forms. Uh, so my my yeah, complaint yeah. is still green. DeVoe accidentally sort of helped. Yeah, but unfortunately only helped me for a lot of that yeah. people. Yeah. Right. Well, she's really not there to help anybody, so... Yeah. The fact that it did help you is something. Yeah. Um, one, of, one of the other more, and I, I, was, a lot of people find this, probably find this somewhat unhealthy. One of the more uh, upsetting parts of this is like when I initially filed against my attacker and I started to really fight against what had happened to me and try to find justice, uh, I understood that this was going to be a disaster. Like, I knew the dumpster fire I was walking into a bit. So I actually came initially with an olive branch, and I was like, what she did was really terrible. She was also really inebriated, and everyone who is, you know, harassing me right now because, you know, I've, I've spoken out about this, I guess I, 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 there's no avoiding it. I have to talk about the happened because that's, anybody who listens to this podcast is going to be like, how were you attacked, you man? So, uh, you know, a lot of times when, 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 when victims, they don't talk about the assault themselves because it's re-traumatizing. But with mine, people ask, like, mechanically how they can have all the time, and I have to do this, so I'm just used to doing it now. Um, what happened is it's like every other college sexual assault in reverse. I was an older man when I came to college. I'm 34 now. I started when I was 30. Uh, I ran an IT firm back home before, and I don't have any of that money or any of that. I gather problems with this country. Lack of the ability to afford medical care is the reason why that's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I wanted to start my life back over and do a new career, and I always wanted to get an academic. I always wanted to be a professor, and Oglethorpe is a great place for that. So I joined. My major is in East Asian Studies with a focus on languages. Um, and uh, I began dating the Japanese tutor who was a traditional student uh, a senior year so early mid 20s and i was 30 mm-hmm. and we just had similar interests in video games you know yeah. japan like that it was very sort of natural that way the relationship was a mess from the onset not because of the age difference because she had a boyfriend apparently i didn't know about all sorts of other things well, that's always fun yeah and uh, um I held uh, weekly parties. I had an apartment adjacent to campus. I held weekly parties there to keep them safe um, because there was issues on campus with assaults and craziness, and <laughs> I sort of policed what was going on at my apartment. Yeah. And she got way too drunk, way too fast, and we were in my bedroom, and she tried to initiate sex, and I told her no because she was too drunk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So me saying no for her safety is how this started. And she was so drunk, and it was actually a sign of things to come about how much she cared about me and her agency and other problems with her. Um, that she ignored me and she continued to try to have sex with me uh, until I had to actually fight her off. I actually had to throw her off with me, to fight her off with me, to get her to stop. Um, like I said, the day afterwards, I went to the therapist about this. I went to the to campus therapy, and she told me to keep quiet about it. Um, and uh, it sort of went on from there. It would have been very natural for her to accuse me of being the one in power and abusing the power um, and stuff like that. She didn't do that. Like I said, eventually she fell back. Well, she actually initially denied that it happened at all. Uh, there were witnesses uh, to some of what happened before we went to the bedroom. Right. Uh, deal um but uh before i made any official filings i had a relationship with this person so i tried to talk to her about it and then i broke up with her because it was unhealthy and unsafe right she had a drink problem and there's this boyfriend and it was complicated and um she began stalking me she was following me online uh, she, we'd agreed to not go to the same events at the same time on campus. Uh, she violated that agreement. She sat behind me during an event. Uh, she followed me to a bar. Uh, she watched me from her vantage point, which she sat at the bar the whole time. Um, you know, 
It was, it was horrible. And then she ruined my reputation on campus, thoroughly isolated me. Um, everything after that was pretty, it was pretty terrible. She admitted to that in writing. She admitted the defamation in writing. And at the hearing, um, she uh, described herself stalking me uh, a night after a social event uh, or after a function at the school play. Um, like, she just openly and brazenly was like, yeah, I sat behind him, and then uh, I watched uh, him leave, and then I went to the same bar as him, and then we sat behind him, and then we got moved. Uh, she claims that they moved, but the waitress actually moved them because they're making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and then she chose seating that gave her a vantage point that could watch me as I sat at the bar, and then... She was like, and then I saw him go to the bathroom, and I knew when he went to the bathroom, and then, like, yeah, like, describing... Describing in detail about how she was stalking you. Brazenly. Right. Yes. Um, That's so disturbing, uh, though. Yeah. Yeah. Literally the only thing making it okay, in quotation marks, for other people is that she's a woman. That's terrifying. If a man was doing that to me, I would be scared out of my mind. Yeah. I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, and I was scared. Uh, scared. I, I don't blame you. Yeah, you, you're, you're exactly right. You you were exactly right. And by the way, she owns a gun. <laughs> oh, even better. Yeah, she owns a firearm. So and she's she's very upfront about how she knows how to use it and all sorts of stuff. So I was. And she has a drinking problem and clearly mental health issues. So her owning a gun is perfectly okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, part of the reason why I was able to record the hearings is because I, is that their recordings of Skype calls, I chose to not be in the same room with her because I was, I'm afraid that, I'm afraid that if I am in the same room as her, she might lose her shit and kill me. Yeah. Like, legitimately. She's done all this other crazy stuff. Right. You know? Don't give her the leeway to do even crazier stuff. Right. But because I'm a man and she's a woman, a lot of people don't find it ridiculous that I'm afraid of her. The hell? Yeah. <laughs> Anytime someone tries to mock you for being afraid of her, just ask if they would be afraid if you pointed a gun in their face and said, I know how to use this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's absolutely ludicrous. Um, you know, uh, and, and speaking of the other the other side of that, <clears throat> because I'm a man, I'm always I'm always seen as the aggressor. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the problems I faced is that before I was expelled, I was banned from campus when I made my YouTube series. Um, the university has kept this line that I'm an active shooter threat the whole time, <laughs> even though I don't own a gun and have proven that. And the reason why I had to prove I didn't own a gun was that after I reported officially the sexual assault and followed the title lines uh, and all of that, that her and a group of students began defending her. Um, they wanted to get me expelled anyway they could, so they accused me of all sorts of crazy stuff that I was able to prove I didn't do. They got fed up, so they called me in like an active shooter. Wow. Like actually, actively, actively shooting. They called me into the head of campus safety, thank God didn't follow protocol that day and knew that there was harassment going on instead called me in his office and asked me if I had a firearm at all. I happened to not even be on campus when they called it in, which is beneficial. So again, pretty I'm much just throw anything at you and see what sticks. Yeah. And but the what was scary about that is the purpose of that is it's supposed to be a swatting. And you know, are you guys familiar with swatting? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it uh, I've had to explain that to... Just like a wildly illegal thing to do. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. I mean... <laughs> yeah, they just they didn't call the police directly. They called camp safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give them a, a level of separation. But what should have happened as for protocols when they called them, the head of security was supposed to was supposed to have called the police immediately. Mm-hmm. So had, had he followed protocol and had I been on campus, what would have happened is that I just would have been walking to class with my backpack. I would have been swung by SWAT officers and would have been confused. And had I been the wrong way, I would have been shot there. Yeah. And that's what they wanted to happen. So ever since they attempted that, which, you know, is attempted murder. Mm-hmm. Right. Ever since they attempted that, 
the school has flipped it around and been like, well, they had a genuine concern, and we think that you might be. So that, 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 that's just a component of that as well, is that I'm automatically also seen as dangerous because I'm a guy. I'm always seen as dangerous, and she's always seen as uh, feeble and needing protection. So, Even though she admitted to stalking you, owning a firearm, knowing how to use it. And... Yeah. <sighs> so, it, it, you know, the, having the reverse where I am afraid of her is uncomfortable on like some deep psychological level to a lot of people. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, um, do you have any other questions or um, is there anything else you'd like to know? I'm an open book. I will talk about any of this. What do you do to kind of like get away from it and relax and and just step back? Well, uh, the question my therapist asks every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I try to play video games and I take walks. I, I, I you know I, I love I love Atlanta. Uh, it's a bastion of progressivism in the, in the middle of the South, which means we have good weather and good food. And people are generally really, really friendly to it. So it's a big city with millions of people that people are very, very social. And it's uh, Nerd Central. We have Dragon Con. Nice. Um, and they film a lot of the MCU here. So, you know, people who work uh, for the MCU and occasionally the celebrities who are there are around and hang out in some of the nice. places. Like we have a complex bar called uh, My Mother's Basement. Nice. And they've been there, and one of my favorite bars uh, in all time, and they've been great support. Everyone who works there has been great, very supportive of me. Fighting this whatnot, Battling awesome. Bar, which is a gaming bar, uh, which I'll be going to later today. Um, they, you know, everyone there has been great. So being a part of the community, trying to be social, taking walks, playing video games, I do what I can to try to stay sane. You know, yeah, because my life shattered, my future's gone. And you know, everything's re-traumatizing as far as like the relationship I had with my attacker was tied into my hobbies and my degree and my passions and all that. But it's hard. I had my hearing against my attacker finally only last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Week after week, hearing after hearing for about three years. That's crazy. So I, I don't get to not relive the trauma. I have to, and it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. And I'm sorry to hear that. I really hope I really hope things turn out in your favor. Uh, you mentioned, you know, going out to Dragon Con, and I know you said something about that on the Discord channel that you were trying to uh, get people to. To kind of help you out with what you're doing there, can do you want to explain a little bit more about what you were trying to do at DragonCon? Sure. Uh, first of all, it became a flaming disaster and ended up being canceled. I mean, I went to DragonCon anyway, but uh, um, I was attempting to uh, raise awareness for male sexual assault victims and victims in general, and also male suicide and homelessness, which is a problem around Atlanta. That if you're at DragonCon you will see the homelessness because, you know, you're, you're, a lot of it happens outside the hotels. Yeah. And it takes place, you know, uh, in downtown Atlanta, in the middle of it all. And uh, I thought it would be a good opportunity to sort of galvanize that kind of support. And there are already nonprofits that are there that if someone's not having a good time, someone's suicidal and stuff like that, they're, they're there to help you. And I thought it would be a good time to organize support. It ended up not going super hot from the get-go of even, you know, throwing the idea out there. Uh, the head of moderation at Slash R Slash Men's Liberation uh, has uh, sort of banned me from making submission posts. I can make comments and talk about whatever I want um, because, well, I, his reasons are kind of confusing. Uh, part of it is because I've talked about my issue a lot. I kind of get that. I don't want to, like, you know, be the only voice, you know, there talking about my problem all the time. That's understandable, but that wasn't what I was there to talk about that time, and wasn't that that person wasn't really talking to me about that. Uh, the other part of it was that I talk on MRA. I open a dialogue with them, and a lot of people on Men's Live feel that 
MRA, MRAs aren't allowed in the discussion because they just cause problems. I can understand a little bit. Uh, what I don't understand is that they just, the, the isolation, the further shunning, that they get, that they're so much the enemy you can't talk to them. And that was a large part of it. So I wasn't able to submit it on Linwood, so I submitted it on MRA, and I was very open and raised. I, like, I don't agree with everything you guys are. Every time I propose here, I put that up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people who are on that subreddit are not, they don't necessarily aligned with the full ideology of, of being anti-feminism and stuff like that. They're just, this, they're the largest subreddit, so they're there for support. Mm-hmm. And they've made it a sticky on the, on the top of their thing. They were, they were fully behind this. And the first couple of people who said they would be there were very like, oh yeah, no, we don't want to be assholes. We're just going to make, you know, posters with you and stand up there and talk about male sexual assault. And if female victims want to come up and be supportive too, we'll be cool with that. So it started off really well. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. the assholes came, uh, wanted to say they wanted to be antagonistic and stuff like that. That sort of made, poisoned the well, made it so fewer people wanted to show up. Uh, and uh, then, you know, I sort of made a comment in one of the Friday discussions on Women's Lib. People were very lukewarm about any action whatsoever like this because they were afraid of conflicts and whatnot. And then eventually all the support fell apart and I kind of gave up on trying yeah. to do it. So. <laughs> So the internet, there's always some assholes that gotta try to ruin anything good and decent. Yes, and uh, I have a YouTube video uh, just basically venting my frustration about that, about the political factionalization of male victimhood, because currently the right dominates male victimhood, the sort of megaphone for that. And it's put from an anti-feminist standpoint, because that's their angle. Anytime they talk about it and hyper-masculine empowerment, um, there's no middle, there's not a lot of middle ground. Men's Lib is great as a subreddit, but it's a smaller subreddit, a few people are on it, and there's just not a lot of stuff there. So. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like, sounds like the biggest problem you had with that is it's, it's difficult to find a, a space for male victims that isn't political in nature. Yeah. Or at least yeah. turn that way. Yeah, so it's it is it is a highly politicized sphere, and everything's politicized these days. And the factionalization of America is that you find it in everything. You find it in video games and board games. You literally find it everywhere. But here it's really pronounced because, like, the idea of a male victim, especially fighting a university, is dominated dominated by uh, the right and the alt right. Yeah. And there, there is a pro-feminist men's liberation voice. It's just really tiny. Yeah. <laughs> and really, really tiny and really disorganized. And like a lot of things on the political left, uh, very anemic to confrontation, which is, which is and, 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 you know, very insular. And it's so frustrating to deal with. Um, you know, I've, I, I've, I've opened dialogues with people. I've found support um, mm-hmm. from both sides. Um, I even had a, a chance to talk with Jordan Peterson, okay. uh, which was an experience. <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh, I'm not a fan. So, yeah, a lot of people are not a fan. I'm not a huge fan either. Yeah. Um, I His cognitive dissonance that he doesn't understand and tries to preach about is just astounding to me. Yes. Yeah, that's that's the entire sort of problem with him, is that he doesn't understand these issues and he's sort of stuck in the middle of them. No, he um, just he I, loves to talk about the cognitive dissonance of other people, but then just doesn't is unable to self identify it. Yes. Even when and it's he shown. Has, yeah. He, he has he has that problem group. So I um I knew about Jordan Peterson before he got on this bandwagon it's not my major, but it's a field of study I'm interested in, um, like how mythology and legend is created historically. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know this, but if you dive backwards into what is actual like research and study is, it's just the, the psychology of, of myth and religion, which is nothing, I mean, very tangentially to do with like gender politics. He does occasionally bring it up in his, in his work. 
And ironically, in his earliest published work, it's very actually sort of pro, I would say overtly pro-feminism, but very, you know, pro-gender fluidity. Um, it just became, he became more and more of a demagogue every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's really depressing because we really needed a strong nurturing voice that was anti, you know, suicide, which is how he got on with his family. Because yeah. he is a clinical psych, 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 uh, psychologist. Uh, he does do that in his practice outside of his uh, professorship. And, uh, um, you know, we needed somebody who was supportive of the epidemic of male suicide and, you know, to, to solve that problem. And, and then he sort of fell, fell down this crazy, crazy rabbit hole. Um, but I, I had a chance to sort of have a dialogue with him because a couple people on the anti-Title IX bandwagon within the university intelligence sphere put me into a group email with the big wigs who were organizing that. And they were like, tell these people what you're going through. And so I told them what I was going through. And I got back a lot of demagoguery. <laughs> uh, a, lot, a lot of really... And, and I, everybody but Peterson in that conversation, I, I understand their viewpoint. Because a lot of these people are either new male professors or old guard male professors who are upset because it's affected running universities, like the logistics, like the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. yeah. Like from their vantage point, they've seen all this Title line stuff, and a lot of the people who get in position their PhD programs and interrupt their research and their grants and stuff like that. And they take a position, they were like, at the PhD graduate level, like 60, 70 plus percent of their students are, are female. Some of them are like all female now. And they're the only ones who can afford to even be in the program. They're male students. They're like, it have, they have no grants and stuff they can pull from. Not enough to be able to pay for the program anymore because costs of research have gone up. But the amount of grant pool, you know, has gone down. So the only way you can afford to even do your own research is to pull from the other grants and opportunities that are given to sort of, you know, female minority stuff. And it's no longer extra to make sure you get in the program. It's not necessary to have it. Right. Uh, and, and they, they for years, have attempted just to increase funding internally. And mm-hmm. universities don't want to do that. They want to increase funding for commercial expansion and administrative bureaucratic load. So they're just not going to get anything. Right. They want to hire another six-figure bureaucrat, not pay for research. So from their perspective, they see they see this gender imbalance happen there, and like they're not wrong. They totally they go about it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. They're not wrong. That's a problem. Uh, I think it's solved by further increasing government and, uh, investment into research and education and making secondary post-secondary education. Free for everybody, Agreed. you know, and taxpayer funded, you know, yeah. like the same country, like in the UK or, you know, anywhere else that's not America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That Denmark, good. Finland, UK, Canada, <laughs> Sweden. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Any of that. That's mostly what we're talking here. But like some of them were like, and we got to get these damn women out of these, uh, leadership positions because they're the problem. And I'm like, that's not the problem. It's not a problem that a woman is sitting there. It's a problem that only women can get these grants. Yeah, the problem is is you you have created a systemic problem that does actually bias against men now. Cool, that's a thing. I get that. That's actually a thing that that exists now and we need to force correct for that. Yeah. But it isn't isn't the person who's in charge necessarily. And I understand that that has happened in other universities, and there's a danger that this could become a systemic thing. Mm-hmm. It, it, I get that, but it's not. But it's not. Women are in power, and we need to make that stop. It's 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 a systemic thing where now the only people that are able to get any kind of grant for research and funding to be able to take these programs are women or minorities. Right. Which yeah. And, 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 you know, and it's, and they just go in about entirely the wrong way. But yeah, Jordan Peterson was in the conversation and it was like he wasn't talking to anybody but himself. Yeah. Yeah, that's not surprising. 
Yeah, like you know, it, it I can't even I can't even imagine what Jesse Lee Peterson would say about that. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and I uh, uh, eventually got frustrated with it, read a really long email and I was like, I don't need any of this. Like, I'm a victim, and I need people to listen to me. And I need resources to be able to fight the injustice that's happened to me. And there are other people like me, both men and women, but especially men in my case. Yeah. who yeah. you need to correct for this problem and none of this bickering, none of this shilling out for a greater you or any of this other insanity or trying to create a right-wing manosphere or any of this stuff is helpful to anybody. Yeah. You need to solve the systemic problem of one your gender imbalance in universities by making it so that everybody can actually come and be educated mm-hmm. and then we need to solve this injustice in which your victims all victims but men especially don't get heard and then i got no response from anybody i just did the whole conversation yeah. <laughs> Jeez. You know? yeah, that's so if, if it wasn't if it wasn't bashing the other side it wasn't a conversation worth having and that's sort of the point of, 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 of all of that is that's kind of what I walk into. Yeah. I walk into it a little bit on the left as well. But Oh, I bet. Um, you, you say, you know, as a man, I'm a victim, and there's plenty of people that are way too far left that won't even listen to you because they're like, no, that can't happen. Only women can be victims. Yep. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of it. Yeah. Gotten a lot of it. And uh, it's, it's, it, it, it's a nightmare. It, you know, people are, people are sort of held into their uh, you know, the tribalism mm-hmm. so hard that it's it's about the fight against the other. It's not about the issue at hand. And right. I feel like I'm trapped in between, uh, you know, a culture war, just trying to be heard and then treated like a human being. Yeah. I can I completely understand that. That's got to be one of the most frustrating things ever. Yeah. Yeah. Just you want to be taken seriously, especially with this. The whole stuff going on with the university, and instead of trying to listen to you, it's just like, yeah, mm, you know, the right screaming one thing, and then the far left screaming the other thing, and not even listening to the actual issue at hand. Yeah, that's that's exactly the problem. Yeah. Wait, do you have any other questions or? <laughs> I, I don't have any more questions. I have a lot of anger, but not a lot of questions. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, and thank you guys for doing that. Yeah, yes, of course. It's really hard to, to find people to talk to about this. It, it's, it really sucks. Uh, but like I said, I'll, I'll shoot you some of the information about this. I'll shoot you the decisions. Uh, yeah. I'll shoot you the hearing recordings and some of the stuff I've been through. Um, it, it's, it's, it's really wacky. Uh, she will link to my YouTube stuff. You can you can you can link that. Um, it's not really my YouTube stuff is not very professionally put together. It is me just unloading in front of a microphone and then I edit it together, find some of the evidence and just put it on screen. <laughs> hey, welcome to our show. <laughs> very unprofessionally put together as well. It's okay. We try. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, if anything that you send us like with your YouTube videos, if you want to send some of the articles, we'll link it all in the show description so that people can look into it more if they want to. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. No. God, this is so ridiculous. I can't. There, there's a part of me that, that hoped on some level that maybe because there's so much gender inequality that men would have an easier time of things, but this is, this is insane. Yeah. Well, it's the it's the other end of patriarchy. Yeah. Uh, there was a good video. Uh, I forgot who did it. Um, there, 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 there was a good video that was just released recently um, on a YouTube series that deals with gender inequality. I'll, I'll get to. It. I didn't make it. Someone else made it. It was way better at YouTube than me. Um, and she talks about this. Uh, there's a book called The Myth of Male Power. It's typically considered the MRA handbook. But if you actually read it, a lot of it is really good, and part of it actually discusses, okay, so patriarchy, it says patriarchy is a thing. Patriarchy only actually helps the top 1% of men. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, you have to, to be, to be a good man, you have to, if you, you, you aren't a sex object, 
you are a success object, which means you are the breadwinner. And if you're not a good breadwinner, which means if you're not wealthy, then you're not a good man. So if you have good looks and have money and have immediate social power, then you get whatever you want. You can get away with whatever you want. But if you lack any or all of those things, then you're not even good at your own gender. Therefore, you are nothing. And your entire life is to get that power. You're not human. You don't have feelings. You're not supposed to be the victim. You're supposed to be a man. You're supposed to be stronger. If you are not already in a position of power, then you're nothing. Wow. And what, what makes... And I feel that all the time because what I am discussing is victimhood in the most intimate ways possible for a human being. And it challenges all of that for me to say I'm a victim because on the very onset of how gender norms are set up, on the very onset of how patriarchy is set up, I am saying I am worthless as my gender by being able to be conquered sexually. That's insane. And, yeah, and, and that is and that is part of patriarchy that is sort of missed a lot in feminist circles is that as horrible as patriarchy is to women, it is also horrible to ninety nine percent of men. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. I mean I, I realize patriarchy in itself can be very toxic, but it hadn't occurred to me that it would be that pervasive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like every it's it's underlying and unconscious in a lot of ways. But every part of my existence is people telling me to tough it up, be stronger. Even how I've survived this, because there's parts of this we haven't discussed. There's just so much saying it's happened. Well, I was made homeless by this too. They forced me out of my apartment, police, when I initially um, well, the complaint against my attacker and reported other conduct issues too. So I faced actual homelessness for a while as well, which is why I'm grateful I have the shelter that I that I have. Right. It, 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 like when I went to try to find resources, they were like, "Get a job. Who cares if you go to college? You know, fix this. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You know, stop blaming other people. You know, uh, it's just your fault. All of, you know, you're just supposed to move on. Shut up. You feel too much. You know. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, it's all all of, all of that. Uh, you know, and it's constant. Like I still hear that all the time. You know. Jeez. Uh, no, I feel like what you're doing is more important than getting a soul-crushing nine-to-five job. Yeah, especially considering how much you have to do weekly in order to keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, it's thank you, but it, it is it is really hard. It's really hard to justify it to some people, like because uh, again, I'm supposed to be a breadwinner. I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to. Uh, you suck up all of my feelings, emotions, hopes, and dreams, and earn a paycheck, and then. The, the insinuation is everything else has to do with patriarchy, too. It's like, well, if you did that, then you would have the resources to entice the female. Like, it's very anthropological. It's very, like, you know, you right. are what the money you earn, and also the woman is only attracted to your money, you know. Uh, one of the people uh, that came to me after I wrote a medium, my medium articles uh, came to me and was like, I don't believe you were sexually assaulted because you're not rich and handsome, and a woman that attracted wouldn't want you because you don't have money. And the hell? Yeah. And she is. My attacker is wealthy. We can also talk about that link, too. The power imbalance between me and my attacker right. is Just like Weinstein, just like Epstein, um, just like Cosby, uh, you know, it, she had a huge monetary advantage over me, meaning she didn't get away with whatever she wanted. And there's that, that, that class component is a part of this, too. Like, that, all of that is a part of this, too. You know, it, it like when I tell people that she was richer than me, they're like, "Oh, well, then there's no way that you could have ever been with her because you have to be wealthier than her." That's the only way this works. Because it's yeah. 1923 again. Yeah, right. and uh, us yeah. women are so dependent on men taking care of them. We absolutely need to have someone who makes more than us. Otherwise, what's the point? Right. 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 Like, it's so messed up. And I, and what's messed up is that has been echoed by some of the pro-feminist left people on the campus, too. Like, all of the things that they, like, advocate for and talk about in classrooms and whatnot suddenly went out the window when it got thrown around the other way. <laughs> so 
That's ridiculous. No. Uh, yeah. If you, I, I know you, you talked about some of the other communities you're a part of. If you, at any point you're talking to someone who, who echoes a lot of the same feelings you have that they, they want a, a space where they can talk. That's uh, a little, not about the politics feel free to invite them over. They don't have to contribute to the podcast if they don't want to. Uh, I absolutely will. I absolutely will. Yeah. The, I hate fake feminists so much. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, it, you know, it, it sucks. And, it, and I mentioned it in my YouTube series, like I think the part of the problem is the corruption of money and power, because what's happened is that to course correct for women and minorities not getting into college, we did this really, you know, at the time, smart thing and Freddie yeah. Grant's and, and loan situation so that women and minorities could get into college, which when, uh, you know, with the economy bottoming out and college getting stupid, stupid expensive became the only way you could afford to go to college, meaning that now they're the only ones getting PhDs, meaning that now they're the only ones getting to power in university systems which then means that they control the resources of the university and the crazy bloat of loans mm-hmm. that is money they directly tap into, which is a thief that they now have to control, which now you see a system of oppression that is very similar to the gen- general, usual male system of oppression that we're used to. Yeah. And at this point, I'm beginning to think that it's just a human condition, mm-hmm. that if we tilted history just a little, little bit differently. If you create a majority rule system where any gender ethnic <clears throat> identifier becomes the majority in power with resources, they become oppressive. Those resources yeah. go come so completely unchecked as they have been. Right. Yeah, and that's kind of what I faced at my university, and that's, that is what those MRA guys were complaining about. Like, that's the part that was valid. Yeah. That's happening, but what I noticed a component of that links back to um, the patriarchy gender politics thing and the fake feminist thing is that those feminists were probably genuine feminists when they didn't have power, but as soon as they had to protect a tangible amount of power, all of a sudden the logic of you know the argument, the ideology or the ideals in which they espouse, they don't actually matter on paper anymore. It's about whatever is say whatever, do whatever to protect the position that exists in the now. Which is also what you see with Epstein and Blankfein yeah. and Kavanaugh and all of that. It's the same it's the same dynamic. So I, I kind of wonder if there's just this human element of, of corruption that's sort of universal. Maybe unfortunately one of her more universal traits is that power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I I I'd buy that. Yeah. Let's just stop giving singular people or singular groups of people enormous power, and right. we can take care of that pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, keep us updated on what goes on with everything that you're doing. I, I absolutely, I absolutely will. Um, I'll send you all the information, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for talking with us, and we hope this helps get it out to more people and get more cred, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I honestly believe that there is a lot of people out there that have no idea how difficult it can be when, when a man is in your position trying to fight against sexual assault. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a nightmare. It's a, it's sort of a, it's sort of a silent epidemic. Yeah. Gender norms say that men shouldn't ever be victims and should tough it out and suffer in silence. And it's it's a problem. There's, there there are very few Terry Cruises and mm-hmm. uh, out there. So um, and even he faces a lot of ridicule. And um, the female attackers uh, on Box.com uh, uh, has a list of the famous celebrity attackers. So they keep in like a tally. There are females in there. Barbara Walters. Went to yeah. Epstein's Island, all of that. Um, there are very, very few of them on there, and they suspect there are a lot more female attackers and a lot more male victims. Um, yeah, um, Katy Perry was recently uh, accused of harassment by one of her dancers. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Multiple dancers. I thought Multiple? Oh. I thought that's what you said. It, it started out as one and then more came forward. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, more, more have come forward. I, I participated in the Reddit discussion with that, and it was horrifying to see how many people came up to defend Katy Perry. And yeah. she would be like, oh, it, was, it wasn't that much, and she was rich, and she's beautiful. Like, it was the same. Like, that thing. doesn't matter, yeah. assholes. Yeah. That, is, that should not be a qualifier of if something's okay. Yeah. It's like the, the old, uh, you know, like 70s, 80s comedy shtick of, oh, an older woman was flirting with you and you're 13, you're so lucky. Right. Uh, no, that's still pedophilia. Right. Or people, uh, or people today, whenever, whenever a teacher gets arrested for, you know, having sex with one of her students or something and people are like, nice. And it's like, you know, asshole. You say that, think of if, if it wasn't the other way around. Like a 30-year-old dude and one of the cheerleaders. You'd be like, that's disgusting. It's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> so the one of the teachers that was arrested for this, and I forget her name. It's not right in front of me right now, but I was actually, I have a series of media articles I'm going to publish about power and sexual assault um, in general. I'm also talking about like female attackers and male victims and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There is a famous case of a female uh, professor or a female teacher who slept with a like early high school student. Mm-hmm. And she was arrested for statutory rape. She was convicted for it, and she was going to go to jail for a really long time. Her attorney, I can't fault the attorney for doing his job, but it's messed up that he got this in one of Right. Yeah. The attorney made the argument that she was too pretty for prison. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not even joking. Like That's what the argument is legal, like called. They, they, this is like a defense that attorneys actually like give to each other and stuff like that. If they have a female client. The two pretty for prison defense because it worked. It worked. She got her sentence reduced to like six months. She got out. She does modeling work now on the fact that she 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 committed pedophilia and uh, uh, promotes herself and like actually promotes herself as like the the teacher is too pretty for prison and stuff like that. I like I was working on a little meeting article and I found a bunch of pictures of her which are basically like pinup articles and like pictures professional pictures done of her after she went through it. Jesus. Uh, so, yeah. It's a problem. I would <laughs> imagine if that happened to a guy. Yeah. And he's doing modeling now for being too too handsome for prison. And, yeah. you know, is modeling now under, you know, that thing for committing pedophilia. Right, right. So, yeah. It's not okay. No. There actually is a guy who went to prison and came out a model, but it was not for pedophilia. Yeah. It's like for robbery or something. Yeah, I mean, there's always there's always those really weird cases and stuff. Or that one guy who was like kicked out of India or something because he's too handsome and make the woman like sway. What? Yeah, that's it's a weird story. I'll show you later. It might not have been India, but there was there was some guy that like they tried to kick him out of the the town or the, the city he was in because he was too handsome. <laughs> it's a completely different thing, but like, I don't know how true it is. I just remember reading a headline. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So stuff like that happens all the time. <laughs> really, really weird. Those small things like that. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we have five minutes left in this call. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think I've probably made one of your longer podcasts at this point. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah, yeah I I don't have any other questions left. No, I, I think I'm good. Yeah, just thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll uh, we'll let you know when uh, the episode's going up. And thank you very much. Yeah. So yeah, definitely, definitely keep us updated. Uh, don't worry about asking permission to invite someone if you feel like they would benefit from the group. Uh, yeah. And uh, thank you. <laughs> Please don't let anybody distract you from your goal. You're doing yeah. an amazing thing, and you've got our support. And yeah, and, and hey, you're on you're on Discord. If ever you know things are getting bleak or you need someone to talk to, and you're just 
Like, goddamn. Yeah. Feel free to shoot us a line. We'd be happy to talk to you about this. Because I know how difficult it can be, especially in your situation where you're just literally getting attacked from all sides for something that happened to you. Thank you guys so much. I absolutely will. I'll definitely get you guys Awesome. Great. Uh, great. Uh, we'll see you guys later. All right. Yeah, have a good thank one. you. So, yeah, that was our episode with Zachary. Yep. Lots of fun stuff there. Yep. Uh, we covered a, a lot of topics, uh, but all of them were important to him and his story. Yeah. You know, went over what actually happened, his experiences uh, with therapy and trying to find mm-hmm. a way to be helpful to people like him. Uh, as well as some of the some of the uniqueness that his situation has granted him, you know, right. And trying to find people who have gone through what he's gone through in the male sphere, dealing with all the difficulties yeah. that that entails, including um, all of the politics involved. And yeah, hopefully he can get this all res- resolved soon and whatever. And we'll talk to him again, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, we'll see if maybe down the road a little bit after this is resolved, we can release an uncut version. Possibly, yeah. We'll see. Depending on how things go. Okay. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah, you uh, can find us on Facebook and Discord and our website on Facebook, Mm -hmm. where Every98... On Discord, where every 98 anonymous but brave, I will include a link to join Discord in the show notes if you want. Um, our website is every98.com or anonymousbutbrave.com. You can type in both, it does not matter, they take you to the same spot. If you would like to become a contributor, and get access to special chat rooms within Discord where all of our contributors can just have a bit more one-on-one time with each other and feel free to discuss whatever they need to discuss without worrying about like who's listening and right. what they might be thinking. Um, you can send us a story by emailing Anonymous but brave at gmail.com or by sticking at the website mm-hmm. where you're probably listening to this podcast from and going to the send us a story page. There's a form. You do not need to include your name. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, and if you do include your name or anybody else's name and you want that not to appear in there, then make sure that it's not. Yeah. Only, and we'll only put out what you allow us to. Generally speaking, if you do include names in the story, I end up emailing you back and just saying, you know, hey, mm-hmm. do you want these names to be left in when we go over it, or should we make sure to change them or cut them out? Right. Because every once in a while you get so caught up in the process of actually telling the story, you don't necessarily pay attention to the exact details that you're putting down on paper. Right. All right. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you all have a good day. Yeah. Good night. Bye. Bye.